Welcome to Storytelling with Avery, where listeners around the world will hear me, Avery, and my mommy, Cole. Hi everybody, my name is Avery, and I'm six and a half, and my mom's name is Cole. You might know her already from books that she already has wrote. My birthday is December 22nd, and I'm going to help you do this podcast. And we're also going to start talking about her new book. I'm excited to interview Cole. I mean, my mommy. Hi, mommy. Hi, Avery. So I have some questions for you about the book. Okay. How long is it? Uh, it's 448 pages. How many words does it have? Uh, you know what? That's a good question. I didn't actually count all the words at the end. Um, I feel like I should know the answer to that one. Um, how many graphs does it have? You know, it has somewhere on the order of 250 different graphs over the course of the book. How much pictures like of cities or something? Do you know there is a picture of a city? Do you remember what picture it is or what city? I don't remember what city. No, Seattle. Seattle. There's a picture of Seattle. How many? Just one. Okay. What's the book about, Mommy? That's a great question, Avery. So the book is called Storytelling with Data, Let's Practice. Do you remember the name of the original book? Storytelling with Data. Yeah. So this one's just a little bit different, right? And that's really because practice is how we learn to do things, right? You practice a lot at school Mm -hmm. when you're doing different things. Yeah, like with reading. Exactly. And so when people need to get good at making graphs and communicating them, they need to practice that too. So the book follows the same basic lessons as the first, but each chapter is divided into three sections of exercises. So the first one is practice with Cole, right? Practice with mommy, where I describe a scenario or put forth an exercise that people are meant to work through on their own. But then I also show them how I would do it, right? So it's like when your teacher gives you a problem but illustrates how she would do it first, right? So that you can see how to do something. And this is a way of showing people a lot more examples and insight into how they might think about things or how I think about things when it comes to making graphs and communicating with them. Then the second section of exercises within each chapter is called practice on your own. What's another word for on your own? By yourself. Yeah. Uh, When you read, what do you call it? when you're just by yourself. Independent. Yeah, so these are exercises where there isn't any prescribed solution. So it'll be useful for university instructors who are teaching, right? Like if your teacher wanted exercises to use with the class, this would be a good section for that. Or for people who just wanna practice more and learn more. And then the final exercise section within each chapter is practice at work. What do you think that's about? So you're pr- when you're do- doing like your job, if there's like a free time or you're doing your job, 
you do, you practice. Exactly. Practice at work takes these concepts and really breaks them down so that someone on the job can take a project they're working on and get really specific guidance on questions to ask themselves or when to get feedback from somebody else or who to get feedback from and really makes the lessons that we teach super tangible. Right? So if there's any gap between reading and application, this will help bridge that. What do you like best about it? The about book? the book? One thing that we did that was really fun this time is I worked with an illustrator. Her name is Catherine Madden, and she lives in San Francisco. Catherine does an amazing job of taking concepts and making them visual through illustrations. And so each chapter in the book starts off with a recap of the content from Storytelling with Data. And what we did for that is these are all illustrated. So it's a two-page spread of drawings that will help people who've read the first book. It'll remind them of the main concepts. Or for people who haven't read the first book, it'll introduce these concepts so that they'll be ready for them when they start practicing them through the exercises. Okay. So how long did it take you to write the book? Uh, you know, it took probably about a year and a half from start to finish. So I'd been thinking about the idea for a while and wrote a little bit here, a little bit there. Uh, but I think when I really started sitting down and writing and, and making a concentrated effort, right, really focusing on this, it was about a, a year or a little over of, of intense writing. Okay. Why did um, you want the company to exist? Why did I want Storytelling with Data to exist? Yes. That's a really interesting question. Uh, I think for me, it's important because I strongly believe that everyone can learn and get good at communicating effectively with data. In school, we spend a lot of time, and you know this, right, from your school already, spend a lot of time reading and learning about words and how to tell stories. And then separate from that, we learn math. But People don't really put these together, how to tell stories with numbers. And actually, stories help numbers make more sense to people. So we can use stories to help make data accessible and understandable and make it something that our audience cares about. And I really enjoy this space and have learned a lot over the years and am learning a lot continuously. And so I started storytelling with data to just help others learn some of these lessons and practices as well. Okay. Why do you like it? For me, it's really interesting to be able to work with a lot of different organizations and a lot of different people and see how a lot of the challenges that people face when they're trying to drive action with data cross industries and roles and companies. And so being able to see such varied examples of when people need to communicate with data and what sort of numbers they're looking at, for me, is really interesting. And it's really interesting to way to learn about different industries and different companies. And actually, that's a lot of the inspiration from the book comes from this, right? Because all of the examples, all of the exercises are inspired by real-world scenarios and real challenges that we came across when we were working with different clients. So how much workshops have you done? Let's see. I've been doing workshops over the course of the last 10 years. So hundreds and hundreds of workshops. I haven't counted recently, but it's a lot. So let's go back to the book. What color is it? 
Oh, that's a fun question. Uh, the book is blue. It's like a really dark uh, blue. And do you want to know something interesting? Mm -hmm. Last week, I actually went to the world headquarters of Quad Graphics. That's about 30 minutes from here in a town called Sussex, Wisconsin. And it is a massive warehouse, right? Massive facility, over a million square feet. And I went there to go see the printing process. But what reminded me of this from your question was when I got there, they'd done a really nice thing and they'd printed covers of the book for me. But do you know what one thing that was surprising? It was shiny. Like Pokemon cards are shiny and normal? Yeah, kind of like Pokemon cards are shiny, but the cover was supposed to be matte, which is the not shiny type. And so it was really good that we went there to see it in person so that we could catch this. And so that the book will feel similar to the original book. So I wanted them sort of to match, you know? Did you see like um, a rainbow from like light on the book since it was shiny? No, I didn't see that. So how did it get, how did all the pages get put together? Like did they get stapled or? This is a great question. Uh, and actually you learned a lot about the book process, book making process last year in your class, right? Yeah. Uh, we learned a lot at Quad, uh, things that I had no idea that go into making a book. It's quite a process. Okay. But like, who's going to read the book? Who's going to read the book? Yeah. So anyone who needs to work with numbers or data in their job and ever needs to make a presentation, right? So if they need to use those numbers to say something to somebody else, then they're going to want this book because there's a ton of content and examples for them to be able to look at for inspiration and also a lot of exercises to be able to work through to improve their skills. Okay. Where can you buy where can you buy it? So it's available for pre-order now uh, in all of the regular places. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, uh, order from your favorite local bookstore. And how much money does it cost? Oh, so the retail price is, I believe, $39.95. But if you go on Amazon or one of these other places, it's always cheaper than that, pretty much. Um, is are the books in different is the book in different languages? Oh, great question. Not yet. So right now it's going to print in English. So it'll print in the United States and in the United Kingdom. And that'll happen simultaneously. So the official publication date, so that means the date that people can buy it, is October 22nd, 2019. And then after it comes out, there may be other publishers in other countries who decide that they want to buy rights to it from my publisher so that they can reproduce it in other languages. That's what happened with the first book. So Storytelling with Data is in over 12 languages now, uh, so people all around the world can read it. Let's take a short break. Hi, my name is Eloise, and you will whip my mommy's boat. And my brother's going to come up. His name is Dorian. Hello, my name is Dorian, and I am five. I wanted to say hello to you all. My mommy wrote a new book called Let's Practice. You should really check it out. It has over a hundred hands-on exercises and lots of cool pictures. I can't wait to read it myself. Pre-order on Amazon today. And we're back. Okay. 
what advice would you give someone if you were going to like write a book? If they were going to write a different topic or something about a book, what advice would you give them? I think once you have an idea of something you want to write about, then it's often good to do some planning. And so when I plan, I do it in a low-tech way. Um, do you know what some of my favorite things are? Post-its. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever seen me in here when I have big pieces of paper and I lay them out on the floor and they have post-its all over them? Yeah, like pink, green, and blue. Yeah, I color code too sometimes. That's me planning. What I do is I take a pile of post-its and I write down ideas. And then I start moving those around and rearranging and trying to put structure around them. So this is one of the things that helps me get ideas out of my brain, out where I can see them and touch them and move them around. And so that can be a really helpful thing, I think, for anybody who's going to write about any topic. You did a lot of writing last year at school. How would you decide what to write about or how you were going to organize your pages? Uh, well, when I was doing one of my how-to stories, I was like, how to sew a stuffed animal. Mm -hmm. And we used staples to staple the book. So we went, I went like, how to sew a stuffy. Mm -hmm. But then when we were close to the end, we started doing this thing called editing. Ah. Where our teachers would come with a pen and like if we had too much uppercase letters, they yep. would draw on top. And if we needed a space, they would do a squiggly line yeah. in the space. And then we, our we call this our final copy is where we um, look at the draft the thing that we used to practice and we would write like like we would look at the thing that we call a sloppy copy where it's not the real book we do yep where we put it on one side and we look at it and then write on the other side so then the so then like we spell real books and then way way at the end of writing we did our first soft covers. Oh, cool. That editing process takes a lot of time and attention, right? Because that takes a lot of time after someone's made these corrections to then go back and incorporate all of those, right? To get to your final draft, your, what did you call it? The sloppy copy. The sloppy, sloppy copy, copy, right. To get from the sloppy copy to the final draft. So it's interesting because when I look back at the whole process of writing the book, do you know what piece mm -hmm. I think took the most time mm -hmm. out of everything? Editing. I edited over the entire course of that year plus that I spent writing. And it wasn't just one sloppy copy to the final draft. It was like many, many, many sloppy copies where I was reading through and different people were reading through at different parts and all of them giving me feedback. And then I would decide when and how to make changes. And that took a lot of time. But that time is really important because that's what makes it so that someone else reading the book has a good experience, right? Like you said, the right letters are capitalized or not capitalized, and there's space between words, and things are spelled correctly, and they make sense, and they fit together. So that's a really important part of the writing process, even though it's kind of painful at times. Well, like, well, you'll write another book, like, 
how much more would you write? How many more? Yeah. That's a good question. I think, yes, I will definitely write another book. I have a couple in mind already and maybe some words written, but nothing that I'm ready to jump on quite yet because that took a lot of time and work, right, to make that book. So I'm probably going to pause and focus on some other things for a bit before I turn back to writing. How much time did you um, write the book like every day? Oh, you know, I wouldn't write every single day, though I think I probably wrote most days. It varied a lot. And the writing for a book like this is a little different, right? Because it's not just words, right? What else is there in the book? Graphs. Yeah, lots of graphs and pictures and illustrations. And so fitting all of those things together. And a lot of the writing process was just making the graphs too which takes a lot of time. But the graphs are like the pictures of the book, right? Do you know how, remember one of your powers when you're reading is what? Like, so I'll tell you a couple. Like, so one of them is pointer power. Yeah. Is when you like, you when there's like words in a bo- book and you don't know about it, you point to it, like you go, the cat didn't have a hole. And for those listening, would, yeah, who are pointer like, fingers active at this moment? <laughs> like, so your two pointer fingers, you would t- go, just put your finger right below the word and point at it like the cat got sick. Mm-hmm. What's another power? Also a power is picture power. It's where you just like look at the picture you just look at the picture and then you just read the word. How does tell me more about the picture power? How does that help you? Well, it helps me us because like we look at the picture and if we were like a cat got sick, if we did that, then it would sound a little bumpy, right? What we could use, if, if we looked at the picture, you just say, oh, it looks like the cat is sick. Yeah, and then it'd be easier to read, right? And easier to remember, too, actually, it turns out. And that is that is the power that we use every time we're communicating with a graph, right? Anytime we put something into a picture, because that's exactly what I'm trying to do and teach other people to do in that piece of things, is to be able to look at the graph and read the words and have those things reinforce each other, right? So just like you described, the picture make the words easier to understand, and the words make the picture picture easier to understand. Thank you so much. I I really like talking um, to you about the book. So thank you for letting me talk with you. Thanks for chatting, Avery. This was fun.